Amen. If you would open your Bibles with me to John chapter 1 John chapter 4. John's been talking a lot about love. And it's not because John is just a sensitive guy or sappy. It's not because John's in touch with his feminine side. That's not it. He's been talking about love, and he's been talking about doctrine. And he's been setting the, both of those things out. If you don't love, you're not from God. Or if you reject the truth of God's word, you're not from God. Those are tests that he's, we've seen. Today, he's going to set four arguments before us again about why you should love one another. Do you know you should love one another? It's not always easy, because there's people like us in the room. It's hard sometimes. But he's going to give us four arguments, and as we read the passage, I want you to look for those, and then we're going to walk through the passage, and we're going to see all four arguments as we go through it. It's important, even where these arguments come from, because as A.W. Tozer wrote in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, in, in the uh, preface of it. He said, the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. The most important thing about you is what you believe about God, because what or who you worship, that's what you become like. That's what will, you'll be like. So let's read 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Is this the love of God? Uh, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love God, if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God in him. Amen. Since the reading of God's word. Four arguments why you should love one another. 
You should love one another because love is from God. God is the source of love. You see it there in verses 7 and 8. Here's the first of four arguments about why you ought to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Here's, here's the argument. God's the source of real love. When you see people truly, biblically, loving one another, as God intends, as God instructs us to work, when you see that, you can bet God's at work in the midst. God is there. God is the source of that love. That's the argument, all right? So John, making this argument, God, the source of all real love, all true love, therefore, what should you do? Love one another. Love one another. All true love flows from God. Now, John's not just talking here about some kind of emotion. He's not talking about some kind of feeling. He's not talking about some kind of warm fuzzies that we get when we come into contact with somebody else. No, no, no. He's talking about a real, tangible self-commitment to other people. Sometimes you can have deep commitments to people even if you don't have strong emotional bonds to them. So if your marriage is healthy, right, you're going to be more emotionally engaged than someone that you're also called to love in the Christian church. Okay? See, it doesn't mean the emotional bonds are always going to be the same among the people you love. It's not what it looks like. John is calling us to self-denying, self-giving, a commitment that we will be invested in someone else's self-interest. That we will count other people as more important than ourselves. That's what he's calling love here. All right? To care, to love one another, to care for one another, to encourage one another, to help one another out. John says that kind of love flows from God. That's where it comes from. It comes from him. You cannot give yourself away unless God has filled you up with his love first. You, you can't do that. You, you can't obey this. Now, when I was a teenager, Whitney Houston... Had a very popular song. She didn't write it. Jazz guitarist George Benson wrote it. The greatest love of all. And I thought about singing a line or two. But I'll spare you. Because I can't pull it off. But you might hear the greatest love of all and think, Ooh, Whitney's a Christian. You might say, ooh, this song's got to be about the gift of God in his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, when Karen and I lived in Galax, we, we were at a VBS at our church. And this woman comes up and says, can I sing a special tonight? I want, I'd like to sing The Greatest Love of All. Well, you might think by the title that this is talking about God's great gift of his son. But it's not. You know the words, because the greatest love of all is happening to me 
I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself, it is the greatest love of all. You hear that? It's not talking about what God has done for us in Christ. It's saying, I learned to love myself. That's the greatest love. Now, there's a whole philosophy behind that, right? And that philosophy is, if you can't love yourself, you can't love other people as well. But John's logic is exactly the opposite of that. John's logic is this. Unless you have been filled up with the love of God, you can't love anybody. You can't love others. There's no human love on earth, yours or anybody else's, that can fill you up so that you give yourself away to others, that you give yourself away unto death for others. What does? When God fills you up to the brim with his love, then you are capable of loving others. Then you are capable of giving yourself away to others in this way. When you see people loving one another in this way, you know the Spirit of God is at work. Because, John says, only Christians can love this way. Only Christians can properly imitate and reflect the love that flows from God and show that in their lives. God is the source of love. So a real knowledge of God is important, right? If I'm to know what real love is, I need to have a real knowledge of God. A real knowledge of God leads us to love God and love our neighbor. That's the two tables of the law, right? The first four commandments, loving God, Second, ta- second table of the law, verses uh, 5 to 10, loving our neighbors. That's the two that Christ set out. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything that's in you, you love God with that. The second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do that unless you know God. Because God is the source of love. Remember what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He said, the goal of our instruction is love. From a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So, Paul and John are hand in hand in this agreement. They agree here, right? So do not ever let someone say, well, Paul, all he really cares about are these abstract theological ideas, but John, oh, he cares about love. He cares about real stuff that's going on between us. No, no, no. They are together. John says the truth is for love. Paul says the truth is for love. So that's why, friends, Christian doctrine, Christian experience, and Christian obedience always go together. Doctrine, right believing, Bible truth. Experience, right longings and desires for what God desires for his people. Practice, obedience to what God calls us to do in his word. Those three things always go together. Do not try to separate them.
Do not separate them. They go together. John is saying, if you know who God is, if you know that he is the fountain of all love, then you'll be able to love because he is the source of it. Second argument that he makes. Why should you love one another? Because God has shown his love in giving of his only begotten son. Look at verses 9 through 11. So yes, God is the source of love, but how has he shown that love? How has he manifested that? Because God has manifested his love. He's shown us his love. How? In the giving of his own son. And because of that, we should love one another. He has revealed how great his love is. Verse 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent his only son, his only begotten son. He sent him into this world. God has shown his love. How? Because he sent his son. He sent his son on a deadly mission. Look at verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So God's love is shown because God sent his son on this deadly mission to come and die a death on the cross. He uses this word, and we've seen this word before in 1 John. Propitiation. Now, you've probably never gone to Starbucks and sat at the table and said, hmm, and just dropped that word into conversation. It's not a word we say all the time. Some of your Bibles will translate that word atonement. That's a good translation. Some of your Bibles will translate it expiation. That's another word we don't use very often. The biblical word here, atonement, propitiation. Some of your translations will say atoning sacrifice or something else like that. All those are good words. What do they mean? It means what we just sang about. Jesus turned away the wrath of God. He turns God's wrath away from us. So salvation, fellowship with the living God, For him to be our God and for us to be his people. John is saying God's love manifested in this that he gave his own son to shed his blood. And he shed his blood that we would be with him and be his forever and ever. So in light of that, you ought to love one another. You should love one another because of what God has done. He sent his son to the cross. Is a display of love for us. And that is the measure of which and how we're told we ought to love one another. The Father giving his Son. So John is drawing uh, us and he's reminding us again. So how great is the heart of God with love for us? He sent his Son. 
his son, his self-giving son. Did Jesus come and did Jesus die? Is that love matchless? Yes. But John's emphasis is not on what Jesus did, it's on what the Father did. The Father gave his only son. And John says, you love like that. You love like that. We sing sometimes how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Do you know how great God's love is? Christian, as you know how great God's love for you is and that he sent his son to die, to turn away his own wrath that you rightly deserve, you need to love others that way. Let that motivate you in your love for other people. That's his argument. Third argument. God's love is made visible. Not just that he sent his son and his son came in time and space, died on the hill Mount Calvary, and that shows God's love. It does. But that's not the only place that God's love is seen. Look at verse 12. Here... God's love is made visible, how? By our mutual love one for another. We cause the love of God to be visible. And that's mind-boggling. So no one, he says in verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So we are to love one another, right? Because of this present activity of our love, love from one another, because we love one another, other people are going to see the love of God. Now, is that as clear as mud? It's kind of hard in reading it. God's love, he's arguing in verse 12, it's made visible. It's made manifest when we love one another. When we love the way God has called us to love in the Bible. And because of that, we love one another. Not only is it an encouragement, we don't just love one another because we want to encourage one another. But we love one another so that the world can see that God's love is true. Here's, so here's his logic, right? Verse 12. This is the unseen God. And he has shown his love, one, in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, but also he has manifested, how? When you love one another. When you, just in practical love and commitment to one another, out of selfless giving one to another, when we do that, the watching world sees it, and what do they see as a result? The love of God. And that's, phenom- that's amazing. The greatest manifestation of the love of God in, in the scriptures is Jesus dying on the cross. But here, it's also shown here. Did you know that? When you love one another, you are displaying the greatness of God and the love of God. When you love one another, as you're called to love one another in the scriptures... You, in your love, you are making visible 
the love of the invisible God, you're making that known to the world. They're seeing it. So, when you love one another, there is an evangelistic reason to it. There is a missionary end to your loving one another. That means we have to set aside divisions among us. We can't stop working through barriers of personal relationships in a local congregation. We cannot put ourselves first and others second in a local congregation. That means you cannot keep yourself at arm's distance in a local congregation or faith community or the old word church. You can't do that. You can't keep yourself distanced. Why? Because there's an evangelistic or missionary purpose behind the way you love one another. And this is local church because it can't be seen in the universal sense, right? Do you love Christians in Taiwan? Yes. But you can't see that. Here, they can see it. They can say, you're nothing like this person, but you love this person. I don't get that. I don't see Anthony, but I was going to make a reference to West Virginia and Virginia. Somebody from West Virginia, somebody from Virginia can love one another. That's amazing. That's the love of God displayed to a watching world. All right? That means people with vast, lots of angles, right, that you could take with that. But a watching world sees and witnesses there's, there's no other affinity here. Why would these two people love one another? It's because the love of God has filled us, and we know the love of God for us in Christ Jesus, and that's greater than all other things. Therefore, we love. And friends, that applies to marriages in a Christian church. That applies when divisions come up in a congregation, and they always come up in congregations, right? It's an unnumberable scenarios, innumerable scenarios of how divisions can come up. Maybe a business deal in the world goes wrong and someone has been hurt. Their feelings got hurt. Perhaps in the school world, feelings get hurt. You know, it's... Crazy stuff happens in, in schools, right? Well, the coach is playing their son more than my son. I can't, that, I can't believe that. I mean, all kinds of craziness and divisions are quickly formed. And he's saying, no, no, in the, in the Christian church, none of that can, we deal with it. It is vital business for us to deal with these things in the Christian church. So whether they are natural divisions or whether they are derived from sin, because of our love one for another, because the world is watching the way we love one another, because our love displays the love of God to them, 
we love. And we love one another. Where John, John had heard this before, right? In the upper room, when Jesus, the master, told them, love one another, for the world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Those are the two most powerful uh, extensions or, or instruments for the gospel to go to the world is the word and love. The word of God and the love of Christians, one hand in hand, those are the instruments. And it's interesting, right? I, I, I really tried to just say this is the reason why this is the case. I don't know that. But it is interesting to me. In the local church, what are the two classes of officers? They foster both of those things. Elders foster the word of God in the congregation. Deacons foster the love of God, in, in, the love for other Christians, and serving and caring for one another's practical needs. Those things are set out to be displayed. There's your, so there's your evangelistic plan. The word and loving one another. The word, preach the word in season and out season, and love one another. Because you know who God is. And that's huge. Then in verses 13 to 16, here's the biggest argument of all. He saves the best for last here. We are to love one another because God himself, he is love. He is love. In verses 7 to 8, he He's the origin of it. He's the source of it. Verses 9 to 11, he shows his love in the giving of his son. Verse 12, he shows, he makes his love known by the way we love one another. And then in verses 13 to 16, because God is love, we ought to love one another. Look, first, first, just notice verses 13 to 15 here. Here's a great truth, too. So, they say, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. We have seen and testify that God has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So, verse 14 the apostles have preached this. They've preached that God sent his son into the world to be the savior of the world. And then he says, verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So all those who profess that Jesus is the son of God sent into the world to save sinners, they are manifesting the fact that God the spirit has done a work in their hearts. He dwells in them. He's saying, that's why doctrinal truth matters, all right? That's why doctrine matters. This affirmation that Jesus, a sinless Savior, he comes into the world in human flesh to save sinners, that's why that truth is important. Because that's absolutely essential for salvation. There's no salvation apart from this. And notice, he connects that doctrine to love. He goes on to say, we have come to know that 
and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. The one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. See what John's saying? Here's the reason for truth. The fact that God sent his word, son, into the world to save sinners. It's so important. That's the supreme picture of love. You cannot love unless you know that God sent his son into the world to save you. And you can't love like God calls you to love unless you embrace that truth. So, John's big on doctrine. (laughs) So don't ever let someone tell you, "Uh, we need to not worry so much about doctrine. We just need to love one another. Don't drive a wedge between truth and love or doctrine and love. John is saying you can't love unless you know the truth. You can't do one without the other. And it cuts both ways. If you've got truth and no love, it's not true. It cuts both ways. We must love one another. Why? Why? Because God is love. That's why. You say you love God, you'll love one another. Why? Because God is love. This is the second time in this passage that John uses that phrase. Verse 8, now again in verse 16. God is love. God himself is love. Therefore, you love. Now, John is not saying God is only love. He's only love. He's not saying that. He's not saying the only thing God does is love. No, some people try to use a verse like this to try to argue that no one goes to hell. In the argument, it's like, so, no, God would never send anybody to hell because God is love. Maybe you've heard that kind of argument. Well, that's not sound. That's not true. That's not what this verse is talking about. It's not what John means. You know John 3.16? Youngest child in this room knows John 3.16, I hope. I hope you've been brought up on that, along with goldfish. John 3, 6, this great passage about the love of God. Remember, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. But what's the implication? You don't believe in the son, what will you do? You'll perish. That's exactly what it says. The implication is, if you don't believe, you're going to perish. So that is not unloving. It's not unloving. It's not unloving to bring about justice upon the wicked. Justice is not the opposite of love. You can be loving and administer justice. It's not the only thing God does, like, Oh, God just loves, loves, loves. That's all he does. No, it means he is loving in all that he does do. So he lovingly administers justice. But here, our love for one another is to reflect the very nature of God. That's amazing. Because God, in his splendor and majesty, he says, when you love one another... It's because that's what God is like. 
Remember when Moses is talking to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 7? He's trying to explain to them why God chose them. Remember that? He starts off with all the reasons God doesn't choose them. God did not choose them because they were the greatest. He did not choose them because they were the most and the largest nation, right? Remember he says, God chose you because he loved you. Because he loved you. The people of God then hear that and say, okay, 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 good. Tell us more. Well, John tells you more. God loved you. Why? Because God is love. We sing the song sometimes, how sweet and awful. Why am I a guest? And he says, uh, the, it was the same love that spread the feast, that sweetly drew me in. Same love. He loved me. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. When we feel and know the depth of the love of God, for sinners like us, friends, that is what sets us free. And it sets us free then to love, to give ourselves away to brothers and sisters, to husbands and wives, people that have broken your heart. You can love them. People that are not like you, but they're a part of this body. And you give yourself to them and to one another. Why? Because we're family. We've got the same father. And that father, he is love. That's why John says we ought to love one another. Those are his four arguments. So let's pray. And let us not be hearers of the word only, but let us do them. Oh God, would you show us your love that we might love? Lord, I pray for those today who are not believers and those who, they are, they, they've never considered your love for them. They've never considered the love of God in Christ. They've never considered that if they do not believe in the Son, they will perish. But today, they have heard that. Lord, open eyes to see the truth of the gospel. It is the power of God into salvation. May they believe, even now, as we pray. For the brothers and sisters in this room, Lord, may we endeavor to love one another for all of these reasons. Because it is from you that we're able to do this. Because you sent your son for us. Because in our loving one another, we display to a watching world how great you are. And indeed, let us love one another because you are our Father and you are love. And Lord, if we refuse to do that, we show that we are not your children. 
Help us to that end. Help us grow. Help the love and unity among this body grow for your praise and for your glory. And for the sake of the gospel proclaimed around the world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.